0: Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At At The the Bridge Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea Chelsea FC FC podcast. podcast, Although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC podcast.
1: What's up everyone, you're listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Your number one source for all things Chelsea. This week, it's Erling Haaland news. Wow, we've had so much of it, as well as some Bamiang news. We're going to break it down, talk about it, dissect it. So here are your hosts all the way from the UK, Mikey Berth and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. I am your host, Mikey, and I am joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Berth and Chris. Now, uh, how are we doing,
0: guys? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Looking forward to the Euros. I'm glad. That in a summer where a pandemic is still going on that we get to enjoy some tournament-based football it's coming home lads i'm feeling it in my bones Ooh. chris how are you doing
2: i'm always excited when friday comes around and this friday even more so because the euros are starting as well what a Can day you talk to you us? Could... yeah this is it what be- what better friday could you
1: have Exactly. Is it, uh, exactly. to be fair it's one of those where you didn't think that the tournament would happen but when whenever there's a tournament you get excited it doesn't matter where even russia had its issues but as soon as it kicked off we were like oh yes it just mm. sat buzz yeah. i mean oh it's brilliant um with that we're going to head straight into the newsroom and see what the latest is at stanford bridge So, straight up, as you know, we will be here every week throughout the postseason, bringing you the latest from the club. Will episodes be shorter? Perhaps, but it's content you want to hear us talk about and talk about with Shell. I've um, got a feeling this topic's going to run all summer long Erling, Haaland, and Chelsea FC. Well, this week, loads of. I-, I wrote this out a few days ago and it's changed every day, but originally, The Telegraph reported that Norwegian powerhouse is interested in a move to Chelsea. That broke our minds and the internet. Um, whether it is this year or next, uh, so how's it going to go down? Uh, are we going to dominate for years to come or destroy yet another striker, guys, if he
0: comes in? Um, I think Haaland is actually very well suited to the to the Premier League. He, he does remind me a lot of Harry Kane. He's got the pace. He's got the power, technical ability. Obviously, scores goals for fun. So I think he's very well suited to the Prem. Obviously. Chalice have a history of ruining world class strikers and upcoming strikers. We've got Werner, Maratta, Shevchenko, Torres, for instance.
1: We haven't ruined Werner. He just just isn't doing what we want we bought him for. He's kind uh, of one of them. He's well, doing something, but
0: uh, like buying uh, yeah. He's a Champions League winner, so who cares really? I mean, I don't mind.
1: Um, yeah, Werner's Verner's a bit like buying a light and he's being used as a paperweight. But he's doing a good job at being a paperweight, yeah. but he needs to do a bit more
0: just you know, not like the job he... that we bought him in for. Exactly. I, yeah. I, I think it's hard to say runners a flop anyway, but yeah, you, you got a point. No. I'm trying to make. So it'll be interesting to see if we get Haaland. I still don't think we are going to get him, but if we do, then you know, I've said on previous podcasts, we need to kill games off a lot more, and getting someone like a Harland will do that because I will think he will score goals in the Prem for fun. Yeah, I mean, I put in the group chat the other day
2: that. I was still unconvinced by Harland. But then, since since then, I've done some like more research into him for a piece I've been writing about him. And I'm now 100% convinced that he is more than worth the ridiculous amount of money that he would cost. He has every attribute you would want in a world-class centre-forward. He's not just... Quick, he is unbelievably quick, but he doesn't rely on that pace, and I think that's the key. That's where so many of those failed strikers we've had have fallen apart. Like Werner, for instance, he's very quick and he relies on his pace. But when we play against a lot of teams who don't give us space, he struggles. Whereas Haaland is incredibly strong as well and very, very clever in and around the penalty area. He just looks like a goal scorer. He moves like a goal scorer. He talks like a goal scorer. He has the mentality of a goal scorer. I honestly think if we don't get him this summer we definitely wouldn't get him next summer.
1: Because
2: once that price comes down every single club in the world would want him. And he's going to go to one of the the glamour clubs then, I think, you know, you Bayern Munich's, your Barcelona's, your Real Madrid's. I think we have to take the opportunity while it's there, pay the money and get him. Because if you look at his goals, his finishing ability is unbelievable. But in front of goal, it reminds me a lot of Diego Costa. He's ruthless in front of goal. There's, he doesn't try and make his goals look good. He just scores because that's the most important thing. Um, the amount of times he just smashes the ball as hard as he can. And that's what Costa was like when he got in front of goal. You could see he just wanted to score. He didn't care what it looked like. And Haaland's the same. I just think it's something that it's now or never, I think. Uh, it's a great. I mean, the fee
1: this year, it could be as much as £150 million, which it's madness. It's not my money. And why should I care? I know many are going to go, are you serious? I've had this debate internally for years. It's You see an amazingly large fee and you just think, how can a club pay that? And then you think, it's not my money. Uh, no, that's not the point. Um, Tammy apparently could be used as a £40 million sweetener. Uh, it sort of solves a the problem. They get their replacement striker. We get a player off the books who isn't clearly happy at the club. Uh, I don't know. It, you're, you're spot on. I think both both of you are spot on with your, your opinions on this. Uh Haaland's he's one he could be a one in a generation. He, like the Mbappes, you know. And then you go further back, you you've got your like your R9, so the original Brazilian Ronaldo and names like that. It's it's a lot of money. Next season though, you're spot on. Next season it comes down rumoured apparently, seventy five million, seventy million. He he'll go to a, a potentially Real Madrid if their finances are in order. You can never rule out Barcelona because Barcelona, Manchester City always going to be an option. Manchester, you know, it, it, again, you all of a sudden competition, competition, competition. We seem to have a open market to go for it ourselves. There's no no one else seems to be backing. Well, no one seems to be taking the fight with us for him. It could be the time. It really, really could. Uh, If Haaland does line up in blue, he may be joined by a former Dortmund teammate of his, which is Akraf Hakimi. We know the financial situation over in Milan for Inter. They need to make a sale, a big sale. Hakimi could be that sale. Um, Signed by Inter last summer for £40 from Real Madrid. 37 games for Inter, 7 goals, 10 assists. The talk is we have matched PSG with a bid, which was rejected. This seems to be going on and on and on. Apparently, we had agreed personal terms, then we didn't. Um, Different sources saying different things. What we do know is we're interested. Is this a smart target to pursue?
0: Um, I don't think it's... If you did ask me last summer, I'd have said it would have been a really good piece of business because I think fallback was very much a position that we were struggling for. Um, But now... um... Yeah, Reese James, you could say, needs some competition. Um, Left back, we've got Ben Chilwell, who looks very, very solid there. Um, He does add a lot of depth. But again, is Chilwell or Reese James going to go out of the squad? I don't know. Um, He is very versatile, so he can play on both sides. I think sometimes his decision-making can be quite erratic, but he's got good numbers. Um, It is good for the depth for the squad, but I do think we should be more focused on the centre-back rather than a wing-back or a full-back. Um, but he's, he is a great player and obviously you want as many great players in your squad as possible, so I wouldn't sort of be disheartened if he was to come to Stamford Bridge, but it would not be one that I'd go out my way to pursue, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, I'll take you to your point. What, what do you feel on this, Chris,
2: with Hakimi? See, I think... It makes perfect sense. I think the plan will be, if Hakimi comes in, that Rhys James will move to right-sided centre-back, mm. which solves, which means then we don't need a centre-back. I don't think tucker has been completely happy with Rhys James's output as a wing-back. I think We've said it on this on on the pod before as well about the problem with Reece James at wing back. is He's a very good crosser of the ball, but nothing else really. When you look at him in attack, it's cross the ball in or pass backwards. he's, uh, he's not overly intelligent in the final third in terms of playing little clever passes into forwards' feet rather than just putting crosses into the box. And if you compare him to what Chilwell and Alonso do on the other side of the pitch, he doesn't really make runs in behind. Like, Mm. the amount of times Chilwell attacks the back post and almost scores a goal or scores a goal, Alonso turns into a centre-forward. They make good, intelligent runs off the ball. Reese James is too static. I don't think Reese James is a wing-back. I think he's a right-back in a back four, or he's a right-sided centre-back. And Hakimi is a right-wing back. Hmm. He's incredibly intelligent in the final third. He's almost a complete opposite to James. He's not as good defensively, but he's a lot more intelligent in terms of his movement off the ball in the final third. And he's not he doesn't just rely on crossing the ball. There's numerous times for Dortmund before Inter Milan last season, where he's actually found himself in a number 10 position and he's fed little through balls through to strikers. He makes good decisions in the final third. And I think that's what we really miss too, too many times last season. We were talking about, we get into good positions and don't make the right decision. Every time yeah. I've watched Hachimi play, he makes good good decisions in that final third. So for me, for the for the price that, that's being touted around, I don't think you're going to get a player better in there. And I think it's going to be a season where Asp starts to get phased out. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You, know, you don't want to be waiting until asp has gone and then looking to bring someone in. Why not bring someone in now while they can learn off him? Yeah. And James can develop as a right-sided centre-back with Asp there as cover. It's interesting you say that. I wrote down here, I mean, he's a creative
1: player. He's highly appreciated by Dortmund and Inter fans for his time so far at both clubs and what he's brought to their sides. Some may argue, like, obviously we've just gone into it, well, about Reese James. Well, we saw him, again, as Chris just said, move to right centre-back for three games last season, which was the last two league games against Leicester and Villa and also the FA Cup final. He performed, I would say, well in all three, did the job that he was brought in to do. Uh, I could easily see a future when Thiago Silva does retire or leave the club. Where it could be Rudiger, Christensen and Rhys James in our back three. I know there's obviously now talk of list recording so it's today. Rudiger hasn't; he's no closer to a new deal. He he, he wants to be at Chelsea. He wants to be. He, he's under. He's enjoying his time at, with Tuckle. So I would not worry too much on that. That just seems to be more. He wants the contract because it's his last big contract for almost. You know, you start to go into your thirties and those. Those financial big paydays aren't there, so I do understand the logic there. I, I think that'll be ironed out, pretty sure. But the worry of obviously moving Rhys James was always the loss of that attacking threat down the right-hand side. Hakimi coming in, we'd not lose that threat. In in almost in a way, we would almost increase it because Hakimi's he's a, he can be on the wing, he can be, he, he's just absolutely he's like Marcus Alonso, but he can defend as well. So that's always a bonus. Um, it, I guess it's perfect time to drop this question in from Sencom, who asked, which is Twitter handle is at Sencom. He asks, do you think Tuckle should continue with a back three or change to a back four? We are linked with obviously Hakimi, so we might see a back three because of this potential move. What, what do you think, guys?
0: Well, that's why that's been linked with Hakimi. Made me realise that I think Tuckle does want to play a back five or a back three, whatever you want to call it, mm. going forward. Um, and I'm not going to like disagree with that. I think, you know, looking at the past three, four, five, six seasons, our best football has always been when you played a back three or a back five. Um, and I think with the players we have got, it does just get the best out of them. I think Kimi is suited to a back five. So if he was the game, he'd be a perfect player as a wing back. Um, Thiago Silva as that central centre back or Christensen as that central centre back is fantastic. Ben Chilwell as a wing back, brilliant. It allows Mount, you know, Kante unlocks them in midfield. Havertz is another one that just unlocks and get, they get to roam around the pitch. So I think, you know, and you look at the games that we played against Man City last season, we, we were superb, really, really was superb. All we need is that extra killer player that will kill games off or that extra creative flair that will kill games off. And if we get that, playing that back five system that Tuckle does... I think we'll be right up there. I don't think he needs to move back to a back four. He shouldn't really. I know he likes to tinker with his formation, especially in Germany and that, but you know, he shouldn't ruin a winning formula. I and mean, we're European champions using a back five. So I think going forward, you know, I think that should be our base and sort of solid formation going forward.
1: Chris, I know you touched on it, but
2: what do you feel with the question? Yeah, I completely agree with Berth. I think the only reason why these sort of trendy people on Twitter want him to change to a 4 is because it's more in vogue with the, the the go-to formations. People keep talking about our system being a negative formation, but just because you're playing three defenders doesn't mean it's a negative formation. I would argue that we actually have less players defending in our system, than you would do in a four-three-three. In a four-three-three, your back four most of the time will stay intact, with a holding player sat in front. We only have three. We have three centre halves stay there, and that's it. Everyone else goes and presses the ball. So it's actually more attacking than a than a four-three-three, depending on how you set it up. Really, I don't understand why you would change a formula that won us the Champions League. I don't think people realise how how little you would get out of this squad in a four three three. Frank Lampard showed how poor these players can be in a four three three. I think if, if we if we wanted to change to a four three three, we would need to bring in at least three, maybe four players to make that system work. Whereas I think in the system we're playing now, you could argue we need one. And that's mm. that's the centre and that's the centre forward to make us compete. So I don't know why people are almost trying to goad him into changing shape when this shape works. We play good football. I don't really understand what the problem is. Yeah, I I, I, I totally can see your point. I, I think that's
1: what it's gonna be going forward. It, it's as simple as that. Um we're talking about the defense. So I'm gonna come onto this. And so I'm looking forward to this, and I think some listeners might be. Um, Gustavo Gomez. We've—he's the captain of both the Paraguay national team and recently crowned Copa Libertadores Palmeiras. Chelsea have reportedly inquired about the 28-year-old. Now, I'm sure, like many of us, we raised a Carlo Ancelotti eyebrow to his name. No shame there. You know, we don't need to know—we don't know everything about everyone. And you know, I thought. Let me let me dig into more about this player because if we're making an inquiry about this player from Brazil who has spent time in Europe before with AC Milan, I thought I'm going to reach out to some Palmeiras fans and I heard some incredible insight about Gustavo and I'll touch on this in more detail in a second. But do you think a centre-back is priority this summer?
0: Um, no, I don't think it's a priority. I do think it's somewhere... Uh a position that we need to strengthen, but I don't think it's a priority. I think a striker is our main priority, and I think it has to be a striker, like a Haaland, like a big marquee signing like that. Um, But like I said, I think with the formation we play, I do think we need another centre-back. Obviously, we've got Quetta who's slowly going to be phased out. We've got a 36-year-old in Thiago Silva. Even though Rudiger and Christensen have been brilliant, there's still question marks about them. You know, there's still been a few mistakes in there. So I think we do need a big centre-back as well to come in. I don't know if this guy is the answer to that, but it'll be good depth either way.
2: Yeah, I agree. I don't
0: think signing a centre-back
2: is a priority. I I think if you're going to... If you was to bring in Hakimi, then I don't think a centre-back's needed at all. Even if we don't bring him in, then I still don't see it as a priority. Christensen's form picked up, Rudiger's been good, Zuma's shown that he can still do something. I, I don't understand... The only way I would understand signing a centre-back is if it was someone either young with incredible potential or someone who is in the the best stage of their career now and is considered elite level. I don't really understand... A signing that would be no better than a Kurt Zuma, for example. I, I, you know, we have we have Reece James, who can play there. Aspel who can play there. Thiago Silva, Rudiger, Christensen, Zuma. I don't think we're struggling for centre backs, even if Thiago Silva's body started to catch up with him and he 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 couldn't play many games next season. I still don't think it's a priority signing, unless you're bringing in a marquee centre-back who's going to take us forward for the next four or five years.
1: Mm. I, I totally understand. I totally see your point of view. I really do. Uh, when I reached out to the Palmeiras faithful, um, who were great, I must admit, really, really, really good uh, people to speak to. They, they said it, and you could say maybe it's a bit of bias, but they put it simple. He's the best defender in South America right now. And... Palmeiras as a team have been defensively solid and stable since his arrival when he turned up from Milan in the 1718 campaign. And he's pretty much has a presence in the entire field without compromising the defence. And he's apparently really good at set pieces, so penalties. And he has an 80% conversion rate on them, which is something. Now, that, that reminds me, that presence as well reminds me of Thiago Silva you know he has that presence on the field and again age is coming into it with Thiago and wish again you've now got to take into account the Rudiger situation whether it will get resolved is not the point the point is it's there I, I checked out some of his highlights to see him in action and impressive you know honestly impressive I know you can sort of say YouTube videos are there to make any player look good you can look at Bakayoko before he joined Chelsea he was amazing I know, I know they're there. But take it for what it is. Um, one clip I was actually sent was from last year. And you can see that how he goes into the attack and he makes the plays. He's he's almost like a playmaker in defence. He's a very, very solid player. And I saw, sort of saw why we would have an interest in him. And he has a very good fitness record as well. He's He's been injury-free for pretty much the entire time he's been at the Brazilian club. Uh, he missed a couple of games playing for the national team. But that's probably because I think how the Brazilian league works versus internationals, it kind of doesn't stop. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it'd be a good signing. I know, I, I know I've got a limited field of vision on this because I've obviously got limited information. But from what I've seen and from what I'm hearing, yeah, Palmeiras fans don't want him to go. That sort of always sort of says about a player how good they are if you don't want them to go. I'm sure we've got a few players in our squad that we'd say, do we want them to go? It sort of shows their quality. My first one that comes to mind is Mason Mount and Kai Havertz. Would we want them to go? No. No. That says it all. Whilst other squad players, if someone said Zuma or even, I dare say, Rudiger, we'd be like, but we wouldn't be too against it. (laughs) Again, these are inquiries. and I think we're going to keep running and running with targets named. I mean, at the end of the day... We are European champions, and that really does pull players in because they know who the clubs are who win these trophies. We said it before, Champions Leagues do attract that potential. Look, we got Hazard because he wanted to be at the European champions. Simple as that. We're going to move on to another former Dortmund player now, and it's an interesting debate, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, he's a player that Thomas Tuchel has worked with before. He knows him extremely well. He scored 79 goals during his tenure in Dortmund. Well, Pierre has been clear about being disappointed with Arsenal's season. I think most of their fans were as well. But he, he hasn't suggested he will leave the club. So it came as a bit of a shock when the Telegraph earlier this week reported that the Gunners are going to open... They're open to offers for him. That, that first of all, was like, mm, OK. And then... Even more, I found a shock, was Chelsea first in line with an interest. Now, he's a soon-to-be 32-year-old striker. He's on £250,000 per week. Likely will command a transfer fee also. Is this really someone we should be making a summer target?
0: Um, Personally, no. I think, especially when you look at his form last season, um, I just don't see it as as a sensible option. Um, I think it's almost a bit like signing Ed in Hazard now as well. I think it looks good on paper, but I think actually it'd be more of a hindrance and a sort of a, a helpful signing. I don't think he would improve us massively. He'd get goals for us, don't get me wrong, but I think he's very much like Timo Werner. Yeah, he's probably a better finisher than Werner, but I just don't think he'd get goals for us. I don't, I don't think he'd suit how we play. I just think someone getting someone like a Haaland who's big, powerful, or a Lukaku, I think that's... They're always the players that thrive at Chelsea. And I just think of Bamiang, with his age, with his attitude last season, with sort of his wages, I think it's better off just to stay away from him, especially the players that we've already got that like him. I just think it's best to stay away. Uh,
1: the drop-off was insane. I mean, his first... Mm. Full season. Obviously, he got ten in thirteen league games when he joined in seventeen eighteen, and then obviously the season after twenty two and thirty six. Season after that, twenty two and thirty six again. Last season was ten in twenty nine. There's a drop off there, and sometimes you think, "Now we can resurrect a career." We we thought this with Higuain. I know that was a loan. I'm a bit, yeah. I, I don't know what Chris feels on this, but for me, I I think. He's not only over 30. That doesn't mean he's over the hill. We don't live in the reality of a FIFA video game. But again, we have a history of veteran players. One-year deals, sometimes two years if it suits the club. What do you think, Chris?
2: I think Berth just hit the nail on the head. I I don't think he suits the way we play. Uh, Timo Werner has shown this yeah. season how we really struggle with that sort of Striker as our focal point. We need a Harland, a Lukaku, Cost of a Drogba, that sort. Um, he's he's a thirty-two-year-old Timo Werner, but I've got a twenty-four-year-old Timo Werner. I don't need a thirty-two-year-old one. Wages are, would be ridiculous. Any fee, I think, would be overpriced, and his attitude isn't the best. He he showed last season really that. When things are tough, he throws in the towel. And that's not the sort of player that we need. You know, we've questioned our squad's mentality and then they went and won the Champions League. So I don't think you want to be adding more bad apples to that. And then I just think, why why do that? Why bring in a 32-year-old Aubameyang and get rid of a uh, Tammy Abraham, who's 23 or whatever he is, I'd rather keep Giroud if that was the case. If, if we're just looking for a backup to, to ever, whatever number one striker we bring in, I'd rather just keep Giroud then mm-hmm. than, than bring in another overpriced, over-the-hill striker.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree, actually. He is pretty much a, a 32-year-old Timo Werner. That's kind of his role, and you, I, I I don't see it realistic. I mean, don't get me wrong, in his prime, if I think Werner... Abamian, Kai Havertz altogether, It's like, oh, wow. But that's not now. Let's not live in the past. Yeah, it, It's not now. Uh, again, you know, many have put to me on social that we signed Thiago Silva. He was successful. True, true. But again, it's a different position. And also the fact he was available on a free. I know you've got signing on fees, agents, all that. But Abamian will certainly not be for free. And I can't see Chelsea paying... A fee and it will be a substantial fee because he's arguably still Arsenal's best player for a soon to be 32 year old forward who will be commanding a top earning wage. He's let's not fool ourselves, he's not going to come to Chelsea for less than the 250,000 he's on now. I mean, he might, but I don't think he will. Of course, he won't. It's going to be he's almost you could argue it's his one last final move before he. His career dwindles down. I dare say his final move was to Arsenal, but and then I think Arsenal aren't going to do us any favours because at the end of the day, William. I know we didn't uh, charge for them for him, but that was hardly a great move for them. But, I, I don't think. I mean, there's any particular striker that stands out before we we come to a close that we should be signing if we can't get Haaland or Lukaku. Um.
0: Difficult one, really, because those two are just elite strikes. And the field. if you get anyone else, you'll, you'll be almost downgrading. Obviously, you know, if you get someone like Mbappe or or Ronaldo or Messi, whoever, obviously that's just top tier. But I think Harry Kane, I mean, that'd be the perfect one. But again, it's just unachievable. You're not going to get him. So I think Haaland or Lukaku should be the end game. And I don't think we should go for anyone if we can't get one of those two.
2: Yeah, I, I sort of agree. I think Haaland's obviously the number one target. Then it then it would be Lukaku. And then, like you said, if Harry Kane would obviously be, well, wouldn't be third choice. They're all really on a par. But if you can't get any of those three, I still think Havertz could, could develop in that role, as we said before. Yeah, if, that's what I mean. But uh, obviously, it looks like Giroud's going to leave. Tammy's almost certainly gone, so we would need another striker. Oh,
0: hey, we've got so,
2: Bexhui. Oh, yeah, I think, I think he's going to be gone as well, though, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, know,
1: uh, so. did you see the fee that we're still asking? We, I think Leeds yeah. were interested, and in, we were like, I, I can't even remember, million, if it was fifteen it? million, and we were like, uh, I'm not, we're not going to get thirty million back for him. I mean, I, I I love the guy; he scored the goal that won us the, the Premier League under Conte, but it that. that that ship has certainly sailed. I mean, his top selling price was when he was at Dortmund. And then yeah. after that, it's gone. It is gone. We can't just keep thinking, oh, no, we can command this fee because we're Chelsea and he's a Chelsea player. It's 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 not there. It's not.
2: But i I tell you who I do like the look of if we couldn't get any of them and we needed to bring someone in. Andre Silva from Frankfurt. I think he's he's one of them who he did fail at at AC Milan, but he was very young then, and I think he's one of them players who he's almost going to be better later in his career. I, mm. I think he's only 24, and I might be turning 25 this year. But look, watching him this this year, he's really developed his game to be a good penalty box striker. He's very good in the air. Again, he's quite strong. He's not slow, but doesn't rely on pace very good movement in and around the box would probably be available for not a ridiculous amount of money so i think he could be an option because he would come in and you could always you could take him out for a few games put havertz there see if he can develop but you've always got that actual number 9 as a as a backup if havertz forever whatever reason is better playing better out wide or as a number 10 or doesn't quite develop into the the sort of false nine that that we think he could. So I think he could be be a good move if we can't get these big deals over the line.
1: Yeah, I can see your point. I'm very on the fence with him because he's 26 this year. And I think Frankfurt and I do think Jovic, I think, Haller, how they fitted that system. It's all about systems, I think.
0: Yeah, you know what, Marky? I'm so glad you said that because... I always think of Luka Jovic when I think of Andre Silva. Yeah. I just think when he gets that big move, is he just going to be found out a bit? You know, is Frankfurt just his level? It's and, possible. and There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, but you know, is it maybe a bit too much of a big step? The In league fa- as well? I don't know.
2: In fairness, though, I think the Luka Jovic one, he went to Real Madrid, which was too hmm. much of a step up. Like, yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of very good players have gone to Real Madrid and not succeeded, and he went there as backup to Benzema, and strikers like to be the the number one, don't they? All strikers thrive when they are the main guy. Mm. So, I think the Luka Jovic one's a little bit, I think it it was just a real wrong move for him. Like, too much of a step up. I think all strikers, let's face it, all strikers are a risk. We've proved that over the years. (laughs) No matter who you look at on paper, we was really excited about we thought Timo Werner was going to come in and he was odds on favourite for the golden boot and he got nowhere near it. So they're all a risk. I think sometimes the more understated a in, sometimes the better they do, especially at Chelsea.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's very fair. Um, With that, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. We're all off to see the Euros now. We're looking forward to Turkey and Italy. Uh, but it's time. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm looking forward to it. It's time for a social media plug. So, where can we all be found? Um,
2: on Twitter,
0: I am at Chris Burford.
2: And on Twitter, my personal Twitter is at Chris09Adams. And you can find the blog at PitchPundits. You can find myself on Twitter and Instagram
1: as that red hair dude. But for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on the usual social media channels Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, which I feel Instagram's looking better now. I got a little system going for it. i don't know if you guys have seen it yeah
0: you oh, know what? it does look good it, it look looks like better
1: that. it's it's not bland and highly safety. recommend
0: highly recommend yeah. people go follow it's, it's, it's worth it. a
1: look it's worth a look yeah and youtube i'm going to be uploading some of our classic episodes so such as that's just in case we don't get the apple feedback which is a risk uh, potentially we might but it, yeah own ownerships and all that sort of thing so cult heroes classic matches i've pulled those all down so we have still got backups of them which is the main thing uh yeah so you can drop us a like on there follow keep up to date on all things chelsea and leave us that five star review it'll help us build the uh, review system up we had 11 before if we can get to that again that'd be amazing it helps build the community so till next time listeners enjoy the european championships and we will catch up with you next time